I don't know, I felt it, it was a really special moment uh, and I'll never forget it. And it just kind of showed me that uh, no matter what our differences are, our backgrounds, there's always going to be a way where we can cooperate and communicate with each other, which I think is a really beautiful and an amazing part of travel. Welcome to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we bring you immersive, inspiring and international travel stories of freedom and adventure from travellers around the world. Here is your host, Hayden Lee. Well, thank you very much, Australian woman I've never met. That's very kind of you. (laughs) Again, fueling the speculation that I'm Australian. I'm actually not. You guys know this. Anyway, how are you guys doing? I feel like I haven't spoken to you in ages. Thank you for all your kind words and everything like that. I really love that. I do this for you guys, and I'm so glad that you dig it. it. And when you tell me about that, it really, really makes me happy. So thank you so much. As you know, I do reply to everything. So hit me an email at Hayden at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. That's H-A-Y-D-E-N. I almost messed up spelling my own name there. That's just how we go. Anyway, today we have on Jen Montague, a very Shakespearean name. Jen Montague, she is a blogger. She's an adventurer. She's a photographer and she is a travel. She lives in Copenhagen in Denmark, which sounds like somewhere I really must go for the winter. She was describing this word hugger. Well, we'll get into it. You'll uh, you'll see what it's about. Anyway, she can be found at underscore lost abroad on Twitter, and her photography is amazing. Today, she brings us a story of crossing cultural boundaries and interacting and connecting with people from other countries and other cultures. And it is a really, really nice story. So let's dive into it. You're listening to the Travel Stories Podcast, and this is Jen Montague. Hi, Jen. How you going? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm really. I'm glad I'm not the only one that answers that question. I'm well. I, I've always said that, and people are like, "What? Well, you're you're well?" But I'm so glad someone else says that. So thank you. That's the proper way. <laughs> right? Superman, Superman does good. You do well. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Absolutely, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts in the world are you right now? Uh, I'm currently in Copenhagen, Denmark. Copenhagen. Are you living there or are you traveling there? I'm living here now. I uh, arrived in November, so I'm still pretty new. Mm. Why Copenhagen? Um, I uh, my partner is uh, from the Faroe Islands, and so uh, Danish uh, the Danish culture has always been something that uh, we've wanted to get into, and an opportunity came through uh, work, and we made the made the jump. Nice. And yeah. speaking of Danish culture, we were talking, uh, me and Jen were talking just before this call about a, a Danish word that kind of, we were talking about seasons, right? And I was explaining how I love winter, where you're inside, you light the candles, you put on a Vincent Price film, you get the red wine out, and it's just brilliant. And Jen, what was the word again in Danish? It's hugge. Hugge. And so, how do you, um, how do they explain that as to what it means? They don't have a, a, a very word for word translation but the closest is cozy so it's uh, the idea of when you get some friends around and you have some candles some nice food some warm drinks maybe some schnapps which are very popular mm-hmm. and you just have a really nice cozy evening that's that's hygge. how cool is that and i imagine <laughs> it must happen quite a bit in denmark and places like that how long is the winter again 
forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, constant winter. Yeah. They say uh, the only they have uh, August, September, and November, 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 August, September. That's kind of the month. So, um, but the summer is short but beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Jen has the site and the. I think she can be found on Twitter at Lost Abroad. Is that right, Jen? Uh, underscore lost abroad yep underscore lost abroad there you go and it's a site and a blog now i think lost abroad i think that could easily be like a, a divorced man's kind of forum <laughs> you know what i mean i, I lost abroad you know? oh dear i might have to change the name <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh i thought i had every angle covered or start a divorced <laughs> man's forum you know? Or I'll just, yeah, there's a whole new market. Thank you for that. Right. Or a traveling <laughs> divorced man's forum. Oh, we're getting down to it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to take this offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let's, let's not air this episode so we can get that all sorted before exactly. we air it. Yeah, cool. All right, sweet. <laughs> so, and I love that you have lost in it because lost is a word that has, it seems to have a negative, uh, negative connotations to it. I'm lost. I'm, this is terrible. And when you're emotionally lost, it's a bad thing and everything like this. But I love that how you kind of describe it. I had a little reading aside. I love how you describe it. Can you explain to our listeners, um, how you define lost for you? Uh, for me, I think it's just getting lost in a moment. Um, and I also am terrible with directions. So, um, I do often get lost, but I kind of enjoy getting lost and going off the beaten path and finding, um, the, you know, the tiny restaurants or, you know, the really cool sites that you would never really see. And, um, when I see a hill, I go, what's over there? And I'll go over it and just look. So, uh, I like to get lost. That's the best way I think to travel and really get to see what life is really like in, in new places. So I thought I needed to incorporate that in my name. Mm. So. Yes. Yes. I think you're <laughs> absolutely right with that. I, that's kind of my philosophy as well. I think in, in the life and society that we live, we're kind of, we know where we're going to be. We're scheduled to a certain extent and we're never lost. We always know exactly where we absolutely. are, you know, in mm -hmm. life and geographically. And I think travel is one of those things that can help you step away from the schedule, step away from the life that maybe you, maybe you don't want to live. Maybe you want a bit more adventure and, and freedom, really. Is that absolutely. the same way you think about it as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, when I'm not traveling, I'm working and that's, you know, getting a train at this time and walking this way. And, you know, you rarely get the chance to kind of wander around and say, oh, I've never been down that street before. Um, and that to me is the, the getting lost aspect of it. Uh, and that's that takes you out of your daily routine. And I, I think we all need to do that. That's it. Yeah, it's total freedom, isn't it? Freedom to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And that's the goal, really, I think. Well, for me, at least. Obviously not for yep. everyone else. So uh, Jen is a photographer. Her photography is brilliant. Jen, I love some of your shots from Copenhagen. We'll, oh, thank you. We'll link up to your Twitter in the show notes. So that's that's pretty contrasting to me, to be honest. And this is another thing I love about traveling. There's There are so many different types of traveler. Everyone's so unique, obviously, with all their own personalities that it brings out a different type of traveler in them. And so for me, for example, I, I never, ever take any pictures. It's right. kind of like a line from a city in Kolosung. I never take any pictures because I know I'll just be right back. But <laughs> obviously, you're the opposite. So what is it that you get out of photography whilst you travel? I think it's just capturing moments. Um, I think it, it's not so much for me. I, I try not to have my camera, you know, I don't have my camera against my face all the time. Um, but I think for me it's important because I like to share what I see. I think the world is really beautiful and we're all can learn from each other. And I love to capture a moment and go, you know, this is how they're doing this in 
Indonesia or and and sometimes one of the things I really like about photography is catching the day to day. Mm-hmm. Not the beautiful tourist site or, you know, the Eiffel Tower lit up, of course, is very beautiful. But I want to see people in there every day because one of the things that I think really um, is significant to me when I travel is we're not that different. And wherever you go in the world, and that's part of the story that I have to tell, actually, is, is wherever you go in the world, you know, there's so many things that we actually have in common. And I quite like capturing that in my photographs. Mm, yeah, because a lot of photography that you see, travel photography, is this mountain or that mm-hmm. statue or, you know what I mean? And I really love those photos where it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I tell a lie. I have taken a couple of photos and it's only when my mom calls me and says, I want to see where you're going. And yeah. so, um, so I've taken a few and one of them of my own that, that I, I'm just really a big fan of. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not the best photographer in the world, but, but uh, <laughs> one of them that I, I always love looking at is there was this woman in uh, rural Vietnam. I was way up in the mountains and she was, um, she was producing rice. She was raking out all the rice so it can dry in the sun and her bike was there and it was just, it was reality, you know? Mm-hmm. And I yes. think reality is something that, that I think creates the best art in a way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have actually maybe a similar photo when I was in Bali. Uh, I went to a seaweed farm and there was just this tiny little old lady um, hand tying seaweed to this net. And she held, I w- she saw me with my camera and she held it up with such pride. Like, you know, look, look what I've done. Um, and she gave me a big smile. And I love that because that's her, that's her daily grind. That's her, mm-hmm. her job. And, and she was just there doing her thing that she does every day. Um, and I just happened to be there at the right time. And that's probably my favorite picture of, of all of my pictures from that particular trip was just kind of kept in a moment of reality in this dream place. <laughs> that's so cool. I think mm-hmm. I think it really is the reality and the authenticity in the picture. You know what I mean? I mean, how mm-hmm. much better is a picture of something that's happening right now to or right then to a posed picture? You know, everyone stand right. here and smile. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool, but everyone just be cool <laughs> yeah, go cool. about your day this is going on facebook look cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it right uh, so do you do you journal as well or is it just the photography um i try to write um as much as i can i've done a few um articles for other blogs and, and things like that um i don't do it nearly as much as i would love to mm. so uh, if anyone's listening and needs some help let me know <laughs> <laughs> there's my plug <laughs> nice. So why do you um why do you not journal as much as as you'd like as opposed to photography where obviously you do it quite a bit? Is it the um the end product of the, of the of the photograph where you get you see it as obviously this piece of uh, kind of art in a way and you get the all of the emotion out of it whereas do you find uh, the written word is maybe not, well there you go a picture's worth a thousand words is that mm-hmm. are that is that your thoughts on it? Uh, not quite. I mean, I love to write um, and I do have quite a few things in my blog, but for me, the writing takes so long because mm. I, I don't do, I don't tend to do tips. You know, I don't tend to do, oh, stay here if you like this or, yeah, yeah. or if your budget is that I do, you know, experiences. And then I find when I'm starting to write, I'm like, oh, well, I wonder the, I wonder what the cultural significance is of that. Let me look into that. And then I'll say, oh, that's really interesting. Let me look into that. And I spend hours and hours and hours creating something um that i mean i love it and and i really do enjoy it and and i try to show that on my blog but um a photograph i find it happens in the moment and it's just you you get what you get and um hopefully you'll get very lucky and get something amazing whereas uh, i think i think too much when it comes to writing and crafting the words to make them 
convey what it is I'm trying to convey because I'm trying to convey an experience, uh, an emotional connection. And words just can't really do that uh, right away. I think you have to really cultivate them. And so I just... I take too long. <laughs> mm. And you know what I've just thought as well? When you're writing, you're the catalyst for the experience. It's like something is happening, something is there. And then so if someone's reading it, they're reading it through you. But if there's a photo, then it's going straight, the experience or that moment is going straight through them. And they're the only catalyst between the experience and, and their mind. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a more pure in a way, I suppose, mm -hmm. less colored by maybe your past experiences, mm -hmm. maybe what you think about it, you know, so it's kind of more pure. So I might just get into photography now. You might be turning me around. <laughs> yeah, jump into it. It's brilliant. <laughs> I might do. So you've got a story for us today? I do indeed, yes. Awesome. Where in the world does it take place? It takes place in China, which was my first trip to Asia. China's somewhere I've never been. Would you recommend? Uh, absolutely, but give it plenty of time. Uh, it's, it's massive. Uh, I know, obviously, it's massive, but like <laughs> it is... You know, you can go to some places and, and see a city and maybe in a week, but I was in China for a few weeks and I never really got out of Beijing. Mm. Um, it's, it's just so huge. Um, so if you're going to go give it, give it some good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Live there for a year or something. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Get. That, that maybe you'll get a get out of Beijing in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah, went to see in every street. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right, cool. And if you could give this story you've got for us today a name, what would you call it? Uh, I I came up with uh, big moments in Little China. Oh yes, I love it. Yeah. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> All right. I hope it's okay. It took All me right. a while. That that was the longest part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you're listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Jen Montague with Big Moments in Little China. Um, so in 2001, I was studying abroad in the, uh, England, and a good friend of mine from high school was studying in Beijing. And one day as I was walking past a travel agency, if you guys remember what those are, I'm not sure, um, I saw that there was a sale for flights from Manchester to Beijing, and um, I thought, wow, that's crazy, I'd love to go to Beijing, and then it kind of dawned on me that I could. So I, I bought the tickets, I got my visa, and I only told my parents just before I left um, something to the effect of, um, I'm, really, I'm gonna go out for Chinese food. I got off the plane, this is my furthest trip alone, um, the first time I'd ever been to Asia. And right off the plane, I was kind of struck with how different the society was um, in terms of culture. Um, very crowded, the heat, uh, lack of personal space, and just completely different to what I had experienced living, uh, growing up in the United States and living in the United Kingdom. But um, I found my friend, and um, she brought me back to where she was staying and kind of helped me get a bit more acclimated. I should also mention that she is Asian American, so she has a Chinese father and a Vietnamese mother. Uh, so she already spoke very good Mandarin, and she also looked Chinese, which will be pertinent to the story. So one of my first days, uh, we went to what's called the dirt market. And uh, before we went, she had explained to me that whenever the Chinese see a Westerner in the market, 
with a Chinese person, they assume that that Westerner must be super rich and they just hired a Chinese person to show them around. So um, seeing us together, they'll probably think that I'm really, really rich. And as such, I should say boo yao to anything someone tried to sell me. Um, and that's uh, Mandarin for no, I don't want that. That evening, uh, we went into sort of a sort of a side street in Beijing, a bit more rundown area for a karaoke night, which my friend was adamant that I had to, you know, had to witness firsthand. I walked in and my mind was completely blown because there was this like this 16 year old Chinese teenager rapping to Jay-Z. And he was flawless. He was absolutely amazing. And it just blew my mind. Like I could have been anywhere in, in the world. And I was in this tiny, tiny little club in this rundown neighborhood in Beijing doing the same stuff I would do in the UK or in New York or in Boston. And it really struck a chord that uh, these people who have a completely different life to me speak a different language, a completely different culture. And we're all sitting there singing along to Jay-Z and drinking Budweiser. And it just felt I could have been in any Western country. A couple of days later, you know, the one thing everyone has to do when they go to Beijing is you have to go to the, the Great Wall. Right? Who doesn't want to see the Great Wall of China? Being lost abroad, I didn't want to go to the tourist wall. I didn't want to go to the shiny, prepackaged bit along with every other busload of tourists. So uh, my friend had told me about the Wild Wall, which is the part of the wall that isn't maintained. And so they don't like it when Westerners go to this particular part. So she was like, you know, it's not going to be easy, but you know, if you want to do it, we'll do it. And I was totally sold. So. We went for a walk in the local neighborhood uh, and we found these minivan drivers. All these men are standing around smoking and having their tea and, and my friend goes up to them and each one of them refuses to take me to the wild wall. Then eventually uh, we find the only female driver and we ask her and at first she refuses and you know I'm just getting a little bit desperate and I just hand her a bunch of money which probably came out to about $10 and I said look you know, can you can you take me for this? And she was really reluctant, but then she was like, okay, get in the back, but you have to stay down. I crawl into the back of the van, and there's this little girl, probably about three years old, sat in the back and just staring at me. So I crawl in next to her, and I'm trying to give her like a, you know, a friendly little, hello there, kind of smile. Uh, not really able to communicate, obviously, and she just stares at me for the whole two to three hour drive. <laughs> And, you know, throughout the drive, the, the driver, you know, she's looking at me in the rearview mirror. She's, she's not happy about this. You can tell it was just kind of an uncomfortable situation. But it took about just under three hours and uh, with me ducking down in, in a minivan, trying to hide from, <laughs> from sight. And uh, we finally got to the wall. And it's just this immense, immense structure, as you would imagine, but it's it's almost like nature is taking it over. There's vines growing and trees and it's crumbling and, you know, it's, it's just amazing. And it's just in the middle of the wilderness. So um, we asked the driver to wait. My friend and I get our day packs and we just start climbing. And for ages, 
it's just hand over foot straight up on these crumbling rocks um, and it was just amazing to think you know the last someone built this 1500 years ago with their own hands you know and um, there's something about old temples and old structures like that that I just think is really amazing that they were made by hand by people so long ago and they're still there and you can touch the same thing that they touched all these years ago. We're climbing up and then uh, we started making our way back. Our arms and legs are like jello um, and we're just shaking. It's been about five hours and we crawl back in the van. Of course she's still waiting there dutifully as she promised and we, we crawl back in the van and this time the um, the little girl's really excited to see me, which was really, really cute. It was almost like she was just so happy I had, I had come back. And uh, we start the return to Beijing. I'm not sure how it started, but we ended up playing uh, flinch, which uh, that's what we call it in the States anyway, but it's where you keep, one person keeps their palms facing up and someone puts their palms on top and you, the person on the bottom tries to slap the hands you know, without, and the other person tries to move their hands out of the way before they get slapped. This kid is loving this game. It's just the most amazing thing to her. She's cracking up. Of course, I'm letting her win every single time, and it's just the, the greatest thing that's ever happened to her. And so after about two hours, you know, being hunched over trying to play with this three-year-old, I kind of, I would sit back and try to have a stretch, and she would just grab my hands and pull them back down, like, nope, you're not done yet. We're not finished. And so uh, for about three hours, me and this three-year-old tiny Chinese child are playing, uh, playing this, this hand game uh, with her just cracking up the whole time. So I think that was a really significant experience. And even though it was so long ago, it's something that's really stuck with me. And I've been to Asia many times since then, but that's something that's really stuck in my mind was just this person, this tiny child who Again, there's no way of us communicating verbally. We couldn't connect on any level. We have such different lives, but we were able to find a common connection. I don't know, I felt it, it was a really special moment uh, and I'll never forget it. And it just kind of showed me that uh, no matter what our differences are, our backgrounds, there's always going to be a way where we can cooperate and communicate with each other, which I think is a really beautiful and an amazing part of travel. Thank you very much for that story, Jen. I really, really enjoyed that. That was absolutely great. Absolutely great. Thank you. No worries at all. No worries. Now, there's something I've got to say. Booyah is the coolest phrase <laughs> I've ever heard. I mean, can't booyow. you just imagine a bunch of Americans just hanging around Chinese markets like, booyah! <laughs> you know? That's all I, I didn't imagine. I not think about it like that. But yeah, it's very American when you think about it. Yeah, right? I'd just be saying it all the time. <laughs> just all booyow. the time. <laughs> booyah! <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that. I'm going to, well, anytime I go to China, and I will now, on your advice, mm -hmm. booyah, every day, all day. Booyah. All day booyah. long. Yeah, all day long. <laughs> cool. So a couple of questions. What do you, what do you think the experience of finding out that people in a different culture to your own were doing things that you've seen a thousand times in your own culture? What was your, what were your initial thoughts with that? Did you find it weird at first or what does it make you think now? Um, I don't think I, I think I, I found it weird in that it wasn't what I was expecting. And maybe that sounds a bit ignorant. You know, I didn't know what I was expecting, but I was going to China, you know, and 
my idea of China was definitely not hanging out, drinking Budweiser and listening to Jay-Z and Nelly and all of the other artists, you know, that were really popular in 2000 and still are. If you're listening, Jay Z. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got um, Nelly on right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nelly. Yeah. But um, I, yeah, so I don't think it was weird in that. Um, oh, it's so weird. These Chinese people are trying to act American. It wasn't mm. like that at all. It was just. It was not what I was expecting. Um, although I, I can't really say what I was expecting. I probably was just expecting to sit in restaurants and drink tea and and eat lovely food, and that was about it. So it was just kind of. I guess the impact, though, it just, like I said, it just shows you that we're not all that different. And um, we can, there's so, it's so easy to just say, oh, you're from a different place, or you have yeah. a different language, or you have a different culture, or you look different, so you must be different. But I think that there's always, of course, different cultures, obviously, there are differences. But, you know, I think the underlying needs, you know, human needs are, are the same wherever we are. We just want to have fun. We want to love and be loved and enjoy ourselves and and however you tend to do that, you know, we can always find a common ground no matter how you tend to do that. Mm, yeah, totally. It's like, it's kind of like a Venn diagram, you know, where on the one <laughs> yeah. side, it's like things we do. On the other side, it's things they do. And in the middle is just this massive section, you know, <laughs> where it's just common ground. It overlaps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I think you tend to focus on the bit of the Venn diagram that isn't in the overlap, you know, all <laughs> the differences when you're thinking and having expectations about different places. And maybe that comes from the media. Maybe it comes from the fact that they, that they do have differences to us and they're easier to focus on and the similarities mm -hmm. i don't know where it comes from but what are your thoughts on having expectations before you go to places because like i say i mean i think part of it comes from society and the media and everything like that and part of it comes from maybe your own thoughts about the place from books and stuff you've read and what you you know you know what i mean and mm -hmm. i don't know how how trustworthy that is i i'd like to go to places and have no expectations you know mm -hmm. do you think about that when you go to a new place absolutely but it, it's I love to read about the place before I go just to get an idea of, okay, these are the areas or this is the kind of culture. Um, this is, you know, when I went to Japan, I read anything I could get my hands on, um, not to have preconceived ideas, but just so, you know, I knew that they had a, a culture of where mannerisms can be deemed very offensive if they're done in the wrong way. And I wanted to make damn sure that I wasn't going to do anything wrong. Um, so it's just little things like that to just familiarize yourself so that when you step off the plane, you're a bit more like, all right, this is happening. Um, or um, I spent a lot of years when I lived in the UK, um, I was actually the cultural awareness trainer for some universities. And my job was to train um, largely British professors and, and staff on cultural differences that to expect in their students, or at least to when they not so much expect them, that's not the right word, but when they happen to not go, oh, that's weird. Why are they doing that? Because um, I found within traveling and when talking to people, you know, there's there's certain cultures who don't make eye contact. And our culture deems that, okay, you might be lying to me. Whereas in Asian cultures, for example, if you make eye contact, you're challenging someone. And so it's it's understanding the cultures, but not in a way of, okay, this is going to be prepackaged. This is exactly what it's going to be like, but it's just kind of keeping an open mind, but kind of having, I don't want to say knowing what to expect, but it's just being a bit more aware mm. of, of where you're going. And I think the more you can kind of blend in, the better experience you're going to have. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think those those facts and things you read about the places and the culture and everything, I think they're kind of in the same category as advice from someone that's been there. It's something mm-hmm. you can trust a lot more than, you know, maybe preconceived ideas, media representations and stuff like that. If it's coming from someone that's been there and they're like, look, dude, don't do this, you know, mm-hmm. like it's there. There's some of the things you can trust and maybe form expectations on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, the bit in your story that I really, really loved was when you were connecting with the uh with the little kid man Mm -hmm. i love that part i have this picture as well at home of me with the little kid my friend kind of leaned back in the van and took this picture um but this is before the days of facebook and things like that so uh it's a it's an actual photograph oh uh, yeah i remember those coffee yeah right you might have seen them in i don't know old novels or something and, okay, that's it yeah. yeah written with quills and stuff exactly yep, yeah by candlelight <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and then but, made into vhs's yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i think we're, we're crossing generations slightly yeah, but yeah. <laughs> spiraling <laughs> out of control but, um, but yeah it's a brilliant brilliant photo i love it oh <laughs> uh, well is there any way you can get that online i have to see that Oh, yeah, I'm going to ask my parents if they can scan it and scan it. Wicked. Yeah, I want to see that. Scanning. Do you remember that? Yep, wow. that was the thing. They still have a scanner. so. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, parents do. They're, they've still yep. got the scanner. They've still got DVD players. Well, you can, well, can kind of get, you know, that's okay. Oh, they still got VHS. VHS. Yeah, we got yeah. VHS. We know? go old school got in a Montague household. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Montague's got to be old school with an awesome, yeah. awesome kind of Shakespearean name like Montague. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so this bit of, well let's get back to the story this bit in the story um it reminded me of uh this time in wherever i was and i was on a beach and it was well if you can call it a beach I, it was the middle of nowhere and i was the only white guy for maybe a hundred miles you know <laughs> and um and i was the only person on the beach actually and then there was probably maybe 10 kids or so um it was in southeast asia and there was 10 kids and they came running up to me and saying all this stuff. I had no idea what they were saying. I knew, I knew a little bit, but I couldn't really connect with them. And then out of nowhere, I had this idea. Um, I started to play this game just like you did with the, with the slaps, we call it in England. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, the, the game that I played with them was I would hold my hand up really high, like a, like a high five and they would have to run and then <laughs> jump and then give me a high five. And like after about 10 seconds, they were lining up. They formed an orderly <laughs> queue <laughs> to run up and high five me. It was, we were there for a good 10 minutes just to, yeah, you're that. not going anywhere once that starts, right? <laughs> you're not, it. you're not moving. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Until, until they're bored with it you're there that's your yep. life now <laughs> you <know>? this is your life <laughs> yeah that's it do you find um do you find kids uh kind of easier to to connect with on that level and kind of do you reckon if so do you reckon it's due to the the fact that the language barrier isn't really that much of a problem anymore because you can you know like you say go into it with these games and everything like that what are your thoughts on that um, I think it's really fascinating, particularly with the younger generations. Again, I, God, I sound so old, don't I? <laughs> but, you know, um, I think that also I think with the increase in globalization, you know, they see American television and even yourself, you know, you're not American, but probably to them, you look like every American guy mm. that they've seen on television, you know, and I think that there's this kind of natural curiosity. I think that there's this uh, in certain countries, um, this like, I remember being, you know, I went to Japan and my travel partner was blonde and people thought she was Britney Spears. They thought she was Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, she looked nothing like these people, but they, they were just so, because that's what they see on television and there you're there. Mm. Um, and I think that there's something really, um, interesting in that. 
I think that there's this natural curiosity with the increase of globalization that we want to learn their culture, but just as badly they want to, to learn ours and have this connection with us. So I think it's a, there's a lot of connections happening when these, when this happens. And I think the youth being more tuned in to the internet and, and, you know, television and movies, I think that they're more interested in it than perhaps their parents or their grandparents would have been. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's a lovely place to wrap up. I love that sentiment. Cool. So where can people find you? Uh, Twitter's probably the best, uh, as we said, uh, underscore lost abroad. Um, I'm also on Instagram at lost.abroad. Um, and uh, through there, you can find the link to my blog. Uh, it's a bit long- lengthy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if, you, if we start on uh, on Twitter or Instagram, you'll, you'll find your way to my blog and, and hopefully you'll like some of my photos and like some of my words. Got it. And uh, divorced men, what can they what can they do? Can they find? Uh, you that's or? good. I'll I'll come up with a new one, and hopefully you'll let me back on your show, and I can plug that. Yeah. <laughs> My lost lost a dot broad. There you go. There you go. Lost a underscore broad. Yeah, just move the underscore. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time. Thank you so much, and keep up the great work. They're really interesting uh, stories you got going on. So keep it up. Thank you very much. Lovely to talk to you today. All right, you too. Take awesome. care. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Be good to each other and, and get to learn about each other because uh, it's very easy to be scared of what we don't understand. But if you just keep an open mind and get to meet people, you'll see just how amazing the world and, and people can be. Thanks for listening to the Travel Stories podcast. Get in touch with Hayden on Twitter at Travel Stories UK or online at travelstoriespodcast.com where you can find all of the show notes and resources. Subscribe to the show to join us next time for another immersive, inspiring and international travel story on the Travel Stories Podcast.